It is the Friday show. It's Neil Atkinson with Jake Nolan, with Paddy Fitzsimons, and with Harrison Warden to talk about. We'll, we'll start off talking about the fact that Liverpool aren't playing Paddy. It's a disappointment from the point of view of match going supporters. I can't quite gauge where I think the manager will be. I think he'll be of the view you should never have to play twice in three days. But he's been quite sort of, I think, outspoken on the idea it's the middle game of the Christmas three, the one he doesn't like. And I think also there's playing Leeds United now when they do appear to have had all their injury problems. Uh, it wouldn't take took much COVID to make it difficult for them. All of them are vaccinated. I think we've got to take what everything Leeds are saying in good faith because they're powered through to this point. But I do think ever so slightly from Liverpool sport and point of view, of the three fixtures, if there was one to be postponed, I think this might have been the third choice. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think you've got to look at it in the context of last night. I think I think the manager might be a little bit more annoyed about it being called off. Had we gone out last night, I think the idea of this being called off, if we'd gone out last night and he'd rested the likes of Salamane, etc., he'd have sort of thought, well, I could have played them and gone through. I think the fact that we've gone through last night means that, you know, players who were rested have an even longer break. It is the 28th, obviously, that he has the issue with. And not I, just him, you get the impression. No, no, and, and a lot of managers, I think, Potter spoke well about it as well, but I think I get the impression he might he might be all right with this. You know, the, 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 I do take your point on, this might be a good time to play Leeds. I think where we're looking on wanting to finish and, you know, the things that we want to win this year, I think we should be looking to beat Leeds at home any any time of the season. Um, so I think I think from the point of view of him and, and, and players getting rest and also maybe, also just on a human level, you know, the, the group's very together. I think the idea of him maybe is saying to the, the lads, listen, we, we can recover. You can spend a little bit of time at home before this game. That, that looks like it's still going to take place on the 28th and everyone's trying to stay safe so that we can all be as available as possible for that game. I think this might give them the opportunity to do that. But yeah, from a supporter's point of view, you know, you know, we were discussing before how great last night was. Obviously, everyone wants to go Boxing Day now. And it might be the last home game uh, the fans can go to for a while. But I, I do think from Klopp's point of view, I think he might just he might just take it for what it is and, it, and it's a break and, it, and, it, and it's sort of what he's wanted. Uh, remains to be seen what happens on the 28th now. And obviously, if that was to, to get cancelled, that, that might that might change how he felt about this one going. But I think, I think for now, he'll take it. They were they were all going to be overworked anyway, Jake. That's the thing to point out, and they were they'll have had the plans accordingly. It's the key question is obviously when it's going to be rearranged for, and we don't know that yet from a Liverpool point of view. And I think that that's you know obviously if it ends up in January when we're in the midst of of Afcon, Leeds are stronger, where we'll feel weaker. Uh, it'd then be one more game creating disruption in that run, if you know what I mean. When the, when they'll, they'll plan for some degree of a break, I think all of it does add up to. It's 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 not as cut and dried as this is a bit of a result for the Liverpool manager, and I don't think it should be just sort of seen as that. I think it, it's 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 part of the why is wider issue around. He just likes to be able to plan, and now he's got another variable that he's going to have to deal with. But all of that said, I'll say it again: you know, Leeds are one hundred percent vaccinated, so I don't. I think we've got to take 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 the idea that they themselves they'd rather have fulfilled the fixture they haven't been able to. Yeah, definitely. I think Klopp and Linders will have the Google calendar out now, won't they? Trying to plot plot where it's going to be and, and double, double guess the uh, the Premier League. Um, yeah, I'm I'm in two camps with with it being off. To be honest with you, part of me really enjoys going the booze on Boxing Day or going the game. Um, the other part of me thinking, do you know what? With the Henderson article coming out and the noises that Klopp's makes, and also being a little bit concerned of society in general myself at the moment, it's probably for the best. Interesting to see what happens on the 28th uh, and beyond that, really. Um, but 
and the other side of it as well is like it would have been great to play Leeds because they look absolutely terrible at the moment don't they um, I was away last week and kind of had enough of me missus for an hour so when I got watched it in a pub in the States uh, them against City and my god they were all over the place um, caught a lot of them last season as well and thought they were really good and was enjoying the journey documentary Bielsa I'm sitting on mad stuff all that um, <laughs> but yeah I don't know what's happened there it looks like they just uh, legs have fallen off so they've maybe made the most out of it getting postponed it's Wolves Watford's gone as well uh, Harrison Everton have asked for Burnley Everton to go saying that they've got five or six COVID cases and a lot of injuries in there and they've been told no which suggests it's not just the TV games you know Burnley Everton's 3pm because it's Christmas and no one needs to be subjected to it <laughs> but they define themselves in this one I think it's back to the idea of you just don't sort of know now, as I say, we'll take Leeds of good faith. I'll keep saying it. Injury crisis has been there, and they are one hundred percent vaccinated. So, if you know they're taking it seriously, they've been taking it seriously all the way through. But you know, we're doing this show now, and there's every chance that literally whilst we're recording, or an hour afterwards, or an hour after it comes out, another two or three games ago, and it is this, this you just don't know where you're up to thing with all of this that makes it difficult. It's up in the air, isn't it? Every single hour, something seems to change. An article comes out and whatnot, and you just feel like you've got to check your phone every thirty minutes or Twitter just to see what what comes next. Uh, like I said, like there's been said before, I'm good to the games, off to be honest with you, and I'm looking at it from a goal different point of view. The goals that Leeds have conceded, they've conceded what was a seven to City and four to Arsenal. Mm. I was thinking that was a chance for us to go and put them to the sword. And we had a good little um, gap on City, didn't we? Goal, goal wise, um, and I was looking at Leeds to think, yeah, we could get back, get, get a little margin on them again. It's just sad in a Boxing Day. I know it's R twelve, which isn't ideal. It well it would have been R twelve, but it's just Boxing Day football, especially after the buzzer last night. Last night was great, and you're looking at momentum wise. I think even Klopp, the way Klopp was celebrating at full time, it just felt that like. We had a bit of momentum was there and that we had something going for us, so it's it's good to know, but I just think that now we can just absolutely tear a Leicester away now <laughs> after their antics last night. I, I think Klopp might recognise, you know, all the talk I've said about good faith, and Klopp might recognise that this this could be us at any point, do you know what I mean? So I think yeah. on my point about him being quite relaxed about it, I don't mean in the idea of oh you know, we'll take we'll take a break for the lads while we can and you know, rest the legs. I think he might just look at it as I think I think certain other you know, clubs that might have wound them up slightly. I, I I think the other thing on it as well, Paddy, is from Klopp's point of view, it's the twenty third. It's yeah. not like it's not like it's happening on the morning of the game. It's there's loads of time to work your training schedules back out again, work out how you how you're looking after your players, work out yeah. the whole thing to then be able to point at Leicester. It, it isn't like he's had to get them all geared up for Leicester off the back so four leads off the back of the midweek game, only yeah. to watch it fall through on the day of the game. Well that's what I was trying to touch on before with, you know, when I said, I mean, did an interview last night where they were talking. They asked him something about, oh, what what you do now, preparing for a game on box. Mm. Then he said, you know, there's no there's no training days now. It's just you have recovery days, and then we'll have we'll have a, a you know a session on shape and things. You know, your point's great there about well, at least he, he doesn't have to go through all of that now where he recovers to go through shape for it to be called off just before he can now plan different sessions depending on the game on the 28th now. And I think, I think you know. He's a good fella. He'll recognise, you know, the, the vaccination rates that leads. He'll recognise that this this can happen to us at any point. And I think you'll just have to see for what it is. Yeah, do you think he knew last night? Because he made three subs at half time, didn't he? Which is interesting. I I, th- I thought that when I heard, but I, I do wonder if the way the game was going, he might have just thought I'll have to just I'll have to get the kids off here and and, and get and get some first teams on. But but you never know. To be fair, do you? But all the interesting stuff. So it leaves us seemingly Burnley versus. Everton will go ahead. I do feel like Everton, the way Benitez has talked about it, I'll read out what Benitez's comments are. Um, 
after the game against Chelsea, we had five positives with the injuries and the positives we'd expect in the game will be postponed like in a lot of games. Now, I think if I have 11 players fit and where can I put them, I'm really surprised we're playing this game. He says he's got nine fit outfield players, three goalkeepers, five youngsters for the match, and he might be forced to include Calvert-Lewin for four months out with injury. After four months out with injury, it's a massive risk to the players and not fair, says Benitez. I, I think that that's true. Harrison, you know, I'll take him at face value there. Again, Rafa, let's take Rafa at face value. Yeah. But the other thing that does for Rafa at this point, I think, is Everton are on played 17. They've only had one cancelled so far. They're up against Burnley, who are on played 15. And maybe, and I'm just sort of throwing it out there, but maybe the Premier League have looked at that and said, we can't have Burnley not fulfil another fixture yeah. here. Because it's when, when, if ever, do they make them back? And that, I, do, I do wonder if that, that might have played a part because they can't have Burnley just sat there on 15 when, say, for instance, Newcastle could be on 19 by the end of the run. You know, it just would yeah. not be fair on Burnley. That's, that's a good point, Neil. It's not, not a point that I thought about. And we're talking about Liverpool, how do we fit in this Leeds game or when's it going to come in? If Burnley were on 15, that would be trouble, wouldn't it? And it's that mindset, you know, like, let's say Burnley, for instance, were four points behind Newcastle, whatever point it was, come March, and they've got four games down still to play. It's that mindset of Burnley fans couldn't bank on them games, whatever games they have to win, to games and answer, like, yeah. catch up. It's that, like, you can never guarantee games and answer winning. So would that cause, just, like, disturbance for them? It's like, I think it put them in such a, like, difficult position because... Newcastle will look at Newcastle for example they've got all that money yeah. you know I mean they'll be looking to stay in the league Burnley are going to have to graft to stay in the league because we don't know what January's going to come as well Burnley know that the team that they're up against to stay in this league are going to splash cash in January and that game you know you feel it's, it's going to be a good game and know it's not for the eye do you know what I mean not looking at Burnley Everton. but yeah. I, think if you, I think it'll actually be a good game because I think both teams do need a result and stylistically they're not going to go and like play for a win but I think they've both got to get a win I couldn't agree more if you look at the, the way the table sits at the minute, Jake, there, you know, you've got Everton sat on, played 17, 19 points, sat in 14th place, Burnley 18th, played 15, 11 points. You know, if they win the game, uh, Burnley, they've played two games for you than Everton um, and they would be, they'd be at that point five points behind them. It's one where if you are Burnley, you, you've only won once all season, you do need to start picking these wins up. But to be fair, they've been really consistent recently. They've been hard to beat. What's actually disrupted them is stopping playing games as much as anything else. Yeah, big lads derby, isn't it? It is. <laughs> big lads derby, yeah. <laughs> a bit like this room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I should be fuming before for the reasons that you, you mentioned about Benitez. Kind of take Benitez's word on that, even if maybe one or two might be exaggerated. Um, although they did go away to Chelsea, couldn't you? So it was probably going to be similar type of setup, I imagine. Um, yeah, I'm with you on the 100% with you on the, the fixtures thing. By the way, I've I've kind of started trying to read these in advance because I think that there's there's definitely people boffins in the um, Premier League office doing a bit of risk management at the minute, thinking when are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? And also, is that game televised? Yeah, does it does it will, make a difference to the want table? It to be televised? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think all of that is going on at the moment, and there's probably a lot of stressed out people there. I think there probably is a lot of stressed out people there, but there's going to be a lot of stressed out blues, Paddy, being yeah. not least the ones who are going to Burnley. I mean, at least they've got a game to go to on Boxing Day. But it's it's one where it'll be difficult for them to get a result. It'll be difficult for them to engage in the second favourite favourite Evertonian pursuit, which is recrimination post-game, if they haven't got a result. <laughs> Internal recrimination. Uh, there will be some external recrimination towards the Premier League if they don't get a result, and that's fine. We're all, we're, we're all within our rights to do that. But it's this idea, I think, that they would like there to be a clean 
Benitez says yes or Benitez says no thing. Benitez says yes because he starts to pick up results. Benitez says no because he, he he doesn't start to pick up results and therefore he's got to go. Stuff like this actually makes that harder, I think, for the Blues. Uh, it it brings up, further open to me the prospect of them sleepwalking into a little bit of a, a little bit of difficulty. Yeah, am I right in thinking Benitez won't be there? Is he? Didn't he test positive? So he might not be there either now. Yeah, so I, I feel Big like... Big Christmas dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that feels a bit harsh that, that, that you know, they've, had a, they've had the Premier League reject, you know, the, the request to be postponed when the manager can't be there and, and everything else going on. But I, I think your point there about a Benitez yes or a Benitez no thing, I think I could just see it dragging off for a long time. It, it appears Machiri's right behind them. If they go there and get beaten and Benitez isn't there to take charge, it's, it's another one of them where do they blame and then Benitez can sort of wash his hands of it and, and blame it on the player thing. Uh, uh, yeah, on the Premier but, League, yeah. You know, re- you know, results in this league won't wait for anyone. They're not going to wait on for you to, for, for, to sort things out. And as we're seeing with the whole management of this situation since the start of the month, it, it, the, the policy seems to be we'll go ahead when we can and we'll play when we can. And if they have to play on, on, on box day and Burnley don't get a result, well, you're not getting them points back. You know, they're, they're not sorting it for any other time. And, I, I I struggle to see with them when I, I struggle to see I struggle to see them getting a new manager and changing it because I just don't think they will. I think he'll he'll just about do enough, and I feel like the teams around them will do enough for it to not appear terrible. I can't see them getting dragged into the bottom three for a prolonged period of time. But but but, but as we said, you know that when games will be played, there's a possibility March April time that there's teams around them with games around the likes of Burnley, and if they've just got a bit more fight and a bit more going for them, then then they could be in serious trouble. And you know, when are they picking up points? I, I struggle to see it. I think I think if this goes ahead, I can see it being a big win for Burnley because you know if they won one all season, Burnley or one or two all season, they need they need points themselves. And I think you know with, with a full crowd, that's half more and a, and a little bit more to fight for. I, I can only say it going one way. Does this mean big dunk do the line? Yeah, yeah, it could mean Big Dunk's doing it. Brilliant, you know, yeah. if they go there and went four 0 Big Dunk's getting his job, isn't he? Oh, that's incredible stuff. I hadn't even thought that there was there was that variable. Of the big man, roll out the sweatband. Yeah, uh, how many Burnley ball boys can he hug? <laughs> Do you know what? On a serious point, I hadn't, I hadn't thought that they go there and win with Ferguson. That's a whole different element to the madness that's already going on. I'm right there. behind that. I'm yeah. going to Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next one because uh, there's a lot of 3pms Harrison it's City Man City versus Leicester it's very rare Man City come into a game where they haven't had a midweek game and their opponents yeah. have and because of that you know and Leicester ended up with a couple of injuries against us um, you know which, which which was a real shame uh, because you know they're all going to have to use private medicine but they um, they, they find themselves I think suddenly just looking so ropey it's ridiculous you know they, they must be completely bereft of confidence because they shouldn't lose that game last night and Rodgers is doing his best afterwards and by doing his best I mean just telling loads of fucking lies yeah. but he's doing his best afterwards to act as though oh well you know what you'd expect Anfield we'll have walked, they'll have walked in their favourites not us etc etc I, I think they could be cruising for an absolute bruising at, I, at the Etihad I thought it was embarrassing that into saying things like that um, I knew I just think that's a Leicester Rogers type of thing to do to fold under pressure we've mentioned in the past haven't we had the bottle top four two times in a row do you know what I mean and I, I had a feeling that we'd pull it back at half time but then you feel sorry for them the way that City like you said have had a week off and they've had the midweek off and then by the time they played Liverpool on the Tuesday we'd have had six days off and so it's what he can't, he can't put two 11s out on Sunday at City and Tuesday against Liverpool so he, he, he's, he's doomed if he did, he's damned as he does and damned if he doesn't type of mentality do you know what I mean and I can't see them picking up any points in them two games and you look at it and 
that six days that he's had getting knocked out of the cup, if he does lose to City, does lose to us on the Tuesday, he's going to be under so much pressure, not just lose. I think they can get beaten, like you said. And But the only thing that I'd say that he can rely on is the pace that they've got behind with Vardy and Dacher. I think they caused us issues in the first half. I think when we brought, we had, we had Gomez and Canate, who could match them for pace. I think we dealt with them fine, but City aren't lightning quick at the back, them two centre-halves. And I think that's where they can cause City issues, but I, I still can't see them getting anything. I can't see them getting it. It 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 was weird last night. Even yeah. the subs, you know, he does he doesn't do Vardy because of some sort of hamstring thing, but he gives him the ninety, which is a bit weird. Yeah, he's got Luckman on the bench, but he still doesn't do him. He does Bertrand and Vestergaard, all Brighton and Ianacho. Now these are all they're all footballers who play parts in successful sides at some point across the last couple of years. They've all shown themselves to be reasonably good at football. And yet, it felt like everything made them weaker, and they just crumbled in the end. I think that, and and if you're crumbling at Anfield against what is, uh, to start with, almost a Liverpool C team, becomes a Liverpool B team with hints of Liverpool A yeah. around it, Paddy. I just don't see how you go the Etihad when they've had more rest than you and feel as though you're getting a kick. I, I think that they're a funny side and in, in, in a really weird place at the moment. I, I, I can't decide if, if last night's down to the manager, if he says to them 3 1 up at half time. Listen, we, we see this out, we sit back, we invite pressure, we back ourselves to see it out, or or it, it's the players. Because they, they sort of, and all season, they've reminded me a little bit, and Harrison mentions there about the two, the two top four things falling apart in the last day. They remind me a little bit of a Moise Everton, where they're, they're not quite sure whether they are whether they believe their own hype or don't. You'd see Moise Everton sides finish fifth, sixth, and going good runs every season, and then when it came to it, going to big ground, they, they, they just they just bottle they just bottle it or, or fall yeah. apart. And I, I wonder slightly. Look at some of them players on the pitch because the, they've, got, they've got great players. I wonder slightly if it's it's a little bit too easy for them at Leicester. You know, I'm not I'm not saying mm, that like no. Some, I, I, what yeah. I think is really interesting, just come back to you on that, is that they've won big games away from home under yeah. Rodgers. But all the stuff that they've done to win those games away from home now looks like it's another planet from them. That's yeah. the really, that's and the really FA strange well. thing. Yeah, and the FA Cup okay. as well against Chelsea. Like, uh, I think they are. I, I think they're currently the, the, and they've been all season. I think they are the strangest team in the league. Everyone else you've sorted by now, I think, got a bit of a handle on. I've got no sense about these lads at all. Yeah, and I think I think as well. Like, if you, I mean, you can say a lot of th- things about their end last night, but at the end of the game, hadn't been beaten on penalties, three one up at half time, cruising. Didn't seem to me like there was a lot of. A lot of stick going their way, and I think I think if that's a Liverpool end, and you throw away like that, I think you know you get behind your players and things. But I think I think words are said. Do you know what I mean? And from what I've seen on social media, what Rodgers says now, he spins it. Seems to be sort of sort of the sort you know the the took it at face value and gone, oh yeah, it was harsh. You know, Anfield can be a tough place, and I think I, I just wonder if it can be a bit easier at Leicester. You know, they're not a big club, are they? You know, they've done well in recent years, but they're not a big football club. I wonder if I wonder a Chelsea wouldn't stand for that, and Man United wouldn't stand for that, and I think. There's players there in good money and, and really talented footballers who do well year in year out. But when it actually comes to it, and when you're struggling like they are this season, you know they, they, they haven't quite had it in them. You know, coming out, going out of Europe, that's a, that's a big deal for them. All, all last season, I know, I know they, they didn't quite qualify with the Champions League, but being in the in the UEFA Cup, Europa League, that, that that's a big thing for the football club. And you know they've gone out in the group stage there, and that and that's, that's a massive underachievement. I think when you look at the squad and the players they've got, and I just don't think that they're held to account enough. And I think, and I think, going to City, maybe off the back of Anfield, maybe questions will start to be asked if they go there and, and, and get beat and get beat well, which I think they could. Uh, but yeah, I think they're strange side, a strange season because they could quite easily be still finished fourth. But I think they've got to get their act together soon. And, uh, and on the evidence last night, I can't see it. Yeah, the the Rogers things intrigue me massively. To be honest with you, I kind of keep my eye out just because he used to be Liverpool manager and he used to rate him. But can't help but look at it at the moment and think, do you know what? He could do a really good staff there. Because you, you you look at it, and I know we lost the staff at Liverpool, 
Um, you look at sort of Klopp at the moment, there's a lot of kind of Linders talk, you know, we've had another goalkeeper coach come in. It's about the we and not the me. Um, and it's the opposite with Rodgers, isn't it? Yeah. It's all about him. He wants another big job, I think that's clear. He's trying to pave his way there through the Europa League, through playing a certain type of footy. But he's not doing himself any favours at the minute, no, is he? I, I completely agree, and that's why it completely intrigues me. And I think that's ultimately where why he felt felt a favour with Liverpool, wasn't it? In the end, you know, we kind of big, big, uh, big sort of personality in the dressing room weren't there. Again, it became all about him, and he kind of ran out of ideas. And I kind of feel like we're starting to see that again with Leicester. The, the one thing I think for him, Harrison, the thing he's got in his defence is there's every chance going to City, he's going to play a back three of mm. Castagna and Deezy and Bertrand. Because I can't quite work out who else he gets on the pitch. He's lost Evans, he's lost Fafana, and I do think that that was a massive blow before yeah, the massive. ball was kicked this season because they were planning to build so much of it around him. Vestergaard's not worked yet. Maybe it will, but you'd be surprised if that just sort of turns overnight. Uh, then within there, he loses. I think Soyuncu goes off with an injury against us, and it didn't look like it looked like a proper pull. To yeah, be honest yeah. with you, you know he's going to end up with none of his first choice three centre halves. And he would say if he was sat here, he hasn't really had any of his first three choice centre halves all season. And I think Soyuncu has gone off the boil for him big time. I think Soyuncu looks a better player when he plays next to Johnny Evans. Yeah, well, Johnny Evans is a very very underrated player, isn't he? Every time yeah. he plays for Leicester, he stands out. But then there's that argument near where his signings haven't been good enough in a way. I think Daka's been all right, but Daka scored four and then on the Thursday, and then on the Sunday he's on the bench. Yeah. And I just think things like that's just a bit weird. I think Bertrand, he's been very poor. Vestergaard, he was absolutely horrendous last night and he's been a poor sign. And I think he's brought in them players who've got Premier League experience. I don't like Sumari either last night. Yeah, Sumar, yeah, Sumari, uh, I didn't like him last night. It's either, I, I didn't yeah. think he was good last night. I thought he was really ill-disciplined, didn't yeah. keep his shape at any point. Well, some of his signings for us were poor as well. And so he might have a history of just bad signings, and I, I think Daka, I think, I think he's been all right. He's not set the world alight, but I think he's been all right. But that's the best they've got so far in this well, last last couple of signings that they've made. And I think things like that don't help himself. If Leicester fans could see that his signings are doing well, they're showing bits uh, promising. I think they'd give him a bit less. Well, we said they'd not give them enough stick, but I think if, let's say Liverpool hat on, we'd give him less stick. We could see. If we see something yeah. promising, but there's nothing. Do you know what I mean? And I look at the players we're saying about like he has a bit easy. I look at James Madison, last night, very talented player. First half, arguably ran the game. Some of the pocket he was getting it. Second half, and it's back into the world, nowhere to be seen. Yeah. And I think it's just a Leicester thing, and I don't know because they have got potential to hit teams. Then you know we look at Pereira coming off, and Marty he is nowhere near good enough. I think yeah, I, you know Neil, you told me into them getting an absolute slapping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at now they're getting a slapping. Yeah, it just, just just feels like history repeating itself to me. You know, it, it does. You know, with Liverpool job, um, you know, with the, the signings maybe hit and miss, let them down. Um, you know, he reverts to sort of free at the back when times aren't good. He done that with us, and ultimately, it it, it just feels like it feels like it's all playing out all, all all over again. And and you know, repeat my point really. It just feels like he could do with some people around him to help him out really. And and yeah, you know, probably the only time. All season, and I want City to just get completely carried away with themselves on Boxing Day and have a lovely time smashing them. <laughs> um, move forward, uh, Norwich face Arsenal. Um, it's Arsenal again played midweek, Paddy. Uh, Arsenal, they're not being used to that over the course of the season, but they look in a tidy enough place. I think yeah. Arsenal at the minute they, they, they don't they're not they're not setting the world alight. They're not doing anything unlikely. What they're doing is they're just winning the games they should win and scrapping reasonably well in most of the games. A couple of exceptions, but in most of the games where they shouldn't. And while they keep doing that, they can keep pushing for that fourth spot. Yeah, I think I've been quite impressed with them the last few weeks. I mentioned on a Friday show a few weeks back about I think the best thing he's done. Um, recently, Arteta has just it's just lowered the volume down on all the noise around the club. You know, the, for a while they were always the big the, the crisis club every single week. 
barring you know a poor performance at Everton and a defeat there and I think there was there was one or two around that game as well where you look like they might be sliding you know back into being that crisis club and struggling again you know he's, he's, he's threw together two or three wins on the bounce I think I think he's shown as a manager he, he, he he's very good with working with young players and whether that's going to make him an elite manager or get far in big jobs like Arsenal you, you don't know it remains to be seen but I think bringing someone like a Martinelli back in who, who looked a really good player you know pre-Covid and I think he had an injury as well and things um, I, I just freshened it up and, I, and, and you know these players whether it be because they're grateful for them for the opportunities or they're the first manager they've really worked but you know they seem to buy into what he wants from them and, and, and they're getting results and you know there, there is that mini league that we've discussed on the show before but you know below the bottom below the top three sorry of all teams getting tough on they look most likely at the moment because they're playing the best football and they're winning games and, and, and others are struggling too so it wouldn't surprise me at all but you do fear with Arsenal that they're only you know one bad performance and, and, and a bad defeat away from it all going wrong again but but right now it looks good um but no, you know you, you just don't know what them do you but I think I think for now I think they're doing really well and, and the players performing for them it's the in lots of ways I think this is your your Arsenal test to be honest with you Jake is that they've just got to they've got to keep doing this you know they've got the they've got the tidy win against Southampton they they slipped up against Everton but they got the tidy win against Southampton tidy win against West Ham which felt valuable at the time then they didn't allow any mistakes to creep in against Leeds they put Sunderland to the sword midweek albeit just in the in the Carabao Cup and, and Sunderland's a, a league one side but the next two, you know, if they take maximum points from them, you begin to think they might take a bit more catching for top four than I thought earlier in the season. They've got Norwich away and Wolves at home, and it's a nice little double that to to, to, to lay a bit of a marker down and say to everyone else, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to go with better than two points a game to catch us. Yeah, I've been quietly impressed with them. Even um, at Anfield, what was that a month month back now? Um, I thought they were they were great the first half an hour, forty minutes um, until they started kicking off. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, th- I think they've been really good, and I think he's—I agree with Paddy. I think he's quietly doing doing a really, really good job there. Um, I really enjoy watching Smith Rowe and Saka. Um, it's, I'm, I'm like I'm behind it. I'm almost celebrating for them on the sly, and then like slapping myself for doing it. You know what I mean? But they don't really feel like our business, which helps with that slightly. Yeah. It's top four form, isn't it? But it's just, uh, I, I would say. But I think the Aubameyang thing might have helped them a lot. By the way, uh, in terms of it's it, the rebuild is on now, uh, and they start. They look a lot more stronger. They look like they got a lot more energy. The press up top. Um, it's clarified his decision making as well. I think exactly. it, it lets him get it lets him get Odegaard on the pitch every game yeah. with Smith Rowe, with Saka, with, with you know whatever Martinelli. Suddenly yeah. it's easier to pick three out of those four um, rather than only two out of those four because you feel as though you've got to pick Lacazette to yeah. do Aubameyang's running for him and Aubameyang. When you're winning games as well, I think it's easier to sell to the players and, and the supporters as well as nothing. And I think. It feels a lot like to me, like maybe it's a support and the players have just had enough of, of Yang as well now. So, you know, it's easy to turn around to them now and say, listen, he's had his chances. This has happened before. This is nothing new. We can move on from here. And I think you're spot on about the rebuild. You know, it, it is team. Now you get the sense, someone like Yang was never really his player. You know, he got a real tune out of him on the left when he first came in, when they win the FA Cup and he gets his big contract. But I think he's always going to clash with a senior player like that, who's clearly trouble. And he's on, he's on big money and doesn't seem too bothered. I think Shaka coming back from injury is a big boost for them as well. I think Shaka will always be Shaka in the fact that he's got a moment of madness. But oh, I love him. Absolutely. <laughs> he's got a. He's they're a young squad, but he's he's a senior one in there, and I think they really needed that. 
I think um, yeah, Anfield, if he plays, I think, like you said, first 35 minutes, they were good. But I think they needed somebody before it all got wild and all that. They needed somebody who's been there and done that to calm them down a bit. And like I said, another one, I think they've got a good balance. I think the signings, Tommy Asu's done a very good job yeah. at right back. I've been impressed with him. I think Tavares will take a bit more settling down. But again, he's not a bad player. I think he's maybe more of a left wing back than a left back in my eyes. But again, not a bad player. Uh, Martinelli coming back from injury and firing. They've got options. They're finding Odegaard a lot more on the ball. And I like what Arteta's doing. Like you said, the first 35 minutes, 40, you could see what they were building at Anfield. I think I, th- I always thought that, you know, the inexperience we've been there, I thought I always thought that we'd put quite a few goals past them. But you could see that they were building something and they were brave and they were taking the ball under pressure. And that's not easy to do at Anfield. They were, they were a bit like a European side the first 35 minutes at Anfield. And that's a, that's, a very, that's a good credit to them. I know it was a good good while back as well, but do you remember the charity seals um, about 18 months ago? That is as brave as a performance against the Liverpool side on a big pitch like Wembley that I can remember, to be honest with you. That goal playing off from the goal kick, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, they did. And I remember them thinking, oh, these could be decent, this. And it's all kind of been a bit hit and miss ever since, hasn't it? But it seems like he's getting a tune out of them again. Uh, Norwich, obviously, expected to be uh, a former Whipping Boys there. They'll make it hard for Arsenal, but uh, they are at the bottom of the table for a reason. Spurs, Palace, intrigues me, Patty. You. Tottenham get a good win against West Ham, but there's a lot of West Ham having the ball second half chasing the game, which suits Tottenham and doesn't suit West Ham, if we're all honest about it. That's what West Ham have found the toughest. They've, they've dealt with it at times well this season, but it's what they've found the toughest. Uh, they didn't pick Antonio either, West Ham as well, which I don't think helps them in that sort of game. You still... I feel like Tottenham are going to be... I think when it looks like it's working, I think they're going to look great and people are going to be really impressed by them. But it wouldn't surprise me if there's a few games where they they almost look like they can't find a teammate for long patches. This one against Palace, the one thing I would say is it might suit them because Vieira's Palace will just come to play. You struggle to see them doing anything else. Yeah, I think, think, you know, you're not not at our game against them. You could see it being a little bit like that where... I mean, because of issues with us with, with injuries and COVID, it was sort of a very open game and Tottenham looked really well against us in spells. And you can see Palace going there and, you know, not to do them a disservice, but they seem to only really know one way, one way under the air and, and, it's to, and to go and have a go and, and match a team as best he can. And I think that might suit Tottenham. I wonder if I wonder if he now commits to just Kane and Son as a two, you know, against us. He tried the, the, the Dele Alli thing. And I think, although he, he looked all right at, at spells and, you know, he had a couple of chances, I wonder if, you know, the, you know, they're a duo in a Mourinho side that sat back and were happy to let opposition have the ball, got about 20 goals and 20 assists between them. So I wonder if he just, he banks on them too. He almost play if he's going to play Ali, he plays him as more of a centre mid. Yeah, and, and just, says, like, this is where you're going to get in this team because they're that good. I'm not trying to, I'm not going to build around you. You know, it's it, 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 they're our way home them too. I, thought, I, I I was impressed with them against us. You know, I understand that the R four Sunday thing and the fans were up for it. And like I said, we made it a bit of a, a game that suited them. You know, a bit of a basketball game. But I think I think I think a game against Crystal Palace is an opportunity for them to to get three points in, in front of your your home crowd and, and, and impress. And I think you know Kane's broke that duck now, hasn't he? Getting the goal against us, I think they'll be wanting to kick on from here. They will. What I would say, Jake, is, is Palace are more than capable of giving them a game. Gallagher looks the absolute part. He looks like he looks like, almost like he's he's the, one of the first footballers I've seen in a while who really does feel very Roy of the Rovers. You know, <laughs> everything about him so all action. He's the, the the bouncing blonde hair and all of that. He, he gets you, He catches the eye. But when I last saw them, I thought Will Hughes was excellent. First game back after a, a long yeah. layoff, and I thought he really helped Gallagher. He creates. He was he was first to everything. Won his battles. He's that sort of player. Kuate as well's got that. So then the, the attacking players have got a bit of a they've got a bit of a platform i i like watching palace and that comes as a massive shock to me 
Yeah, I agree. It's been a while, hasn't it, with the with the Hodgson years, the yeah. wilderness years, as, as it would be, um, sort of, yeah, reincarnated, haven't he? But I, I agree. And I, I used to love Paddy Vier as, as a player as well. He was kind of my generation coming up. So, in a slimmer sense. And I don't, I think even if worst comes to worst and they end up going down, I don't think, I still think he'll have fans. He'll still have somebody to take him. For example, if the Brighton job came off or something like that, I imagine he'd be in the half for that. Well, I only lost five out of 17. I think this is the, I, yeah, yeah. It, it's a really weird one because I feel a bit like, it's easy for me to say it'll suit Tottenham because they'll get to play on the break and and etc etc. That's sort of true. But Palace have the play almost played everyone once now. If you know what I mean, yeah. they've only lost five. Now they've only won four, and that's the problem. But they're being actually hard to beat in a yeah. really weird way. Did it's well eight, at Anfield, didn't they? Yeah, it did well at Anfield, even though it finishes three 0 It's eight draws in the seventeen games. So if it, if they were dead open at the back, you go well. How's it eight draw? Yeah, have they only lost five? And that's why I think they, it could be a bit tougher for Tottenham than maybe maybe we'd be anticipating. Yeah, I kind of feel like the they're an Edward away from kicking on and getting sort of six goals in ten games, or you know Ben Teke getting it from from really moving up the table very quickly and, and looking like a very, very good side. Um, on, the, on the other side of that, though, I know it's kind of done Tottenham, but the, the worth mentioning that the thing that really, really worried me, and I, and I don't think it got too much press against Tottenham, was just how quickly they look like a Conte side. That's, that's come out of nowhere. I know they had the break and he's had a lot of time on the training pitch, but I think he, he, they looked more like quickly, more quickly like a Conte side, Tottenham, than they took at Chelsea, for example. Um, and, and I'm terrified of that, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, do you know what? To be fair, do you know what? I watch the game? They ran a lot. They were, they were there. They were there, like uh, battling and all. And it was impressive. To be fair, and how quick they got from A to B yeah. in behind, and it was impressive. But then I look at Palace, and I think if they have Tompkins there, they're weak at the back, aren't they? Palace. I think Tompkins coming in. He's been. He was out for a while, wasn't he? And then he's come back. And I think if Song can play on him, that's going to be true. Do you reckon it might be Anderson back Anderson for this one? So that will be, yeah. be a bonus for Palace. That to be fair. But then Gallagher, like you said, Neil, I'd love watching him play. And do you know why he's prepared to do the dirty work as well? Yeah, he is. And you don't necessarily. You wouldn't imagine that with him. Joe, like like come through Chelsea's academy, you wouldn't imagine that he's prepared. But he's like every time I watch him, I'm trying to see what he's weaker. But he's like a seven out of ten minimum in every department. Yeah, and he's very good. I think. I think, like you said, if Edward, I don't think they found the balance just yet where, between Benteke and Edward, yeah, Palace. I think they changed between every game. It's like Benteke starts one week, then Edward the other. I think Ayu and Zahara said, I think they appreciate Ayu for what he does off the ball. I think he's good on the ball. I think he's very good with his back to goal and in the air. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's like, literally there, yeah, very similar. Yeah. Goal without the goal return. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he scored his first goal, didn't he? Like, Not on the pens. Yeah. <laughs> something ridiculous. But I think they've got good balance. I think, yeah, if they can get a striker scoring between Benteke or Edward, I think they really could push up that table. I think Zaha is going to be Zaha, isn't he? He's always going to get the ball and commit the man. But the balance, I think, they appreciate that what Ayu does off the ball suits the system. Hey, what Palace have got, I think, as well, with with the fact that there's a lot of worse teams, is they've got a bit of you know wiggle room to... I know we mentioned before about how they will go there and match Tottenham and play. I think the supporters have massively bought into this this season. It's refreshing for them as much as anyone after all the years of Hodgson so I think you know, there's less pressure on them not to get results because obviously they need to win games and get points at some point but if you feel like they're definitely, they won't go down you guy you've already yeah. laid a base there to, to yeah. build on and be fine everyone below them doesn't look much better so you sort of think you know if they go there and play well the supporters will understand if it's not quite the, the result they want you know what I mean and I think they've sort of got the beauty of that this season and, and, and I think Vieira's sort of you know building on that in terms of not every game has to be this you know 
what it felt like under Hodgson where this is our point this week next week will be the defeat because we're playing a Liverpool or a Chelsea this is our must win you sort of feel like they've got the freedom to sort of you pick your results and then you know it might come together one game like it nearly did at the Emirates for example yeah. where, you, where you get a big win but you know it's, it's not all the pressure on or, or what it did at City yeah exactly it's, it's not all pressure on one game for this one to be the win in, 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 you know, in, in, in a streak of three games or whatever so you know you wouldn't be surprised if they go there and beat them but also I think you know, you know I'm looking at Tottenham's fixtures here they've got a nice little run and you know we were talking there before about Arsenal string and two three wins together and see whether that, 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 that does for you I think Tottenham are looking at that now with a few games around to really if they want to because it wouldn't be bad now if they go on a run and push for top four it's that open you'd be looking at the next few games now and building on this a nice home three you know three points then kick on from there uh, West Ham Southampton is another three o'clock but broadly speaking I can't be bothered uh, <laughs> the other ones uh, West Ham you know what you know exactly what you're going to get from both of those sides uh, at this point there'll be no surprises there West Ham one that they should win uh, and obviously had an eye on it resting Mikel Antonio which suggests where their priority was three more league points uh, rather than a semi-final of he's not scored for ages though you know no I know but not, yeah. it, but he creates so much space because yeah. you, you, he takes so much looking after as yeah. a footballer um, but yeah, in general, um, Southampton have become the least fun team in the yeah. league, which is which I didn't see coming. Uh, but, but I mean, maybe maybe I'll be surprised when West Ham will whack them nine 0 But uh, they just they, they just they, they used to be a load of laughs Southampton, and now you just think, oh god, uh, Southampton are playing again. Are the excellent stuff? Uh, I'll close the curtains. We've got uh, Aston Villa versus Chelsea is the half past five, and here uh, chatting to John Gibbons is Chris Barber. And to Chelsea and Christmas Barber. Uh, there he is. Um, Chris, um, Chelsea, big game against Aston Villa. Uh, Steve Gerrard, old nemesis. I'm sure you'll sing the song, uh, but are you oh, going to win? I don't know. I mean, don't forget, we clapped him off at his last game at Stamford Bridge. So that means we're sound now. <laughs> uh, are we going to win? I don't know. I think uh, there's such a mixture at the minute of sort of circumstance and, and uh, self-built chaos in, in Chelsea at the minute that we're we're just looking in danger of undoing any good, any good work and any sort of um, <clears throat> achievements we've done in this point in the season to be to be in the conversation. And I think that the, the circumstance has been applied latterly. Um, and as with a lot of football, like the, 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 the we accept the narratives that we sort of get given. But you know, I was looking before. Like I think in the last six games we've been letting eleven goals, and in the ten games before then we let in three. So it's it's, it's not just been an Omicron fault you know I mean the Everton game I'm not I'm not a big XG person I think it was 3 3.5 and, and, and the, the, it we're just not for whatever reason it's not there I know we've had to change personnel which obviously is slightly circumstantial but you thought Tico said this week that although we've got a, a what is it, although we've got a good squad it's not that big and I would say I'd go the other way around we've got a big squad that's not that good more than anything um and and the sort of persistence of a bit like there's a, there's a there's an odd thing that managers do where everything can change by the formation and they do it quite a lot and I think I understand why because you read about how training grounds are nowadays and how it is it's processes and positionings and someone's where they're meant to be so you're where you're meant to be but we haven't got someone to play in that middle of that front three and Christian Pulisic blessing it's not him. It's not been Saul. I mean, sorry, tried it with Loftus Cheek, which I mean, he's been injured. I wouldn't like to see it. But if you're going to do it, it's got to be someone like Barkley. At least someone who's a bit more instinctive with their sort of football, football brain and a bit. Politics likes more that people. He's not. He's not used to providing that opportunity for other players and holding it up and, and turning. And his best moment against Wolves was when he wasn't playing in in that position. And it's it's, get, it's quite frustrating watching the Wolves game. Was quite frustrating watching the Everton game. Was the same. Um, at least Everton, we made more chances and stuff, but. I, 
I don't know if we're going to win because I feel like Villa are that team that what are they scared of? Like what 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 are they asked about? And and they're going to be able to look at the last six games of of of, of Chelsea and think well we can we could probably you know not not put another eleven past them, but we could definitely score score a few. And there's a there's an outside chance they're not even going to they're not going to score at all. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, someone who is a presence in central areas is uh, Lukaku. Is he close? Is he near? Because it's funny because he was scoring towards the start of the season, and people were saying that he was affecting the way you played. And then now the chances aren't going in, and suddenly he looks not about number nine overall. Well, yeah, I, I think he, he's back. He, he's out of isolation. Uh, him and Hudson Odoi are now negative, and I think the lockdown um, isolation rule changes affected them in a good way. So they're available. Whether they'll start, I don't know. But again, it's that thing where Lukaku is in danger of, of being a solution looking for a problem and that we're not we're not playing to his strengths at the moment either. He needs to be I was on with Tez a while ago and he was making the point. He needs to be he needs to be in a two and him and Werner could work. Him in habits could definitely work. But to do that the formation needs to be a different a different formation or or you or you kind of you know, he's a massive investment. I don't think we're going to spin on him as quick as we have with other massive investments. So maybe you you do want to change him to play in that formation because we do have a, a bit of a penchant for signing those tricky wingers, and we do we do obviously like our our wing backs to play like um, like Liverpool's wing backs and, and all the rest of it. So maybe it's about you know a sort of glacier a glacier pace changing how Lukaku plays his football but he didn't he didn't work at United playing on his own. I would like I'd like to think it can and it will. He, he's in a he seems to be in a much better place. He's so he's so fit and he's so good and he's so clever with his, with how he plays his football. Um I just think he need I, it's almost like we've got too too much choice. You know, we're looking at the box of celebrations and and we just don't know what 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 to pick out because we we in, in someone like Mace, you know, we've we've got the wingers you can provide and we've got the wingers you can score and we kind of need to decide which one we're going to go for. Um, and then, and then you can you can sort of go from there. But I am quite nervous about our, our next our next few weeks, um, namely because I mean I don't think this will happen because I think there's not the same sort of like um, the, the the sort of trouble. But you know, Lampard was top in December and was gone six weeks later um, a year ago, and they're not afraid to do that. And I just think to a point, Lampard maybe went because of the investment that had come before him in that season, and it wasn't it was looking odd. But you could argue that, that at the moment Chelsea are looking just as odd and just as out of ideas and just as badly drilled and, and sort of desperate um, as, as we were last year, which which would just be fucking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny at the top of that when you said you've been on with Tess, I thought you said Ted. And I thought, why is he talking to my two-year-old about Chelsea's formations? Like, he's not going to get it's much... He's got his own podcast. He's <laughs> <to it. laughs> I can't imagine it's that good, to be honest with you. Uh, very, you, told very... me, you told me he's a good dribbler. You told me that... He's... No, he is. Yeah, he's not bad. He's, he's both feet. He is both feet. He's, Can he to play number honest... nine for Chelsea? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, mate. He's gone off footy a little bit. But I mean, maybe <sighs> we've just been out. We haven't been outside this much. But he's... Fair, uh... he... He sounds like me. I've gone off it a little bit myself. <laughs> I have been trying to turn. <laughs> just, get, just do what he's done and get banged into telly to his mate. Hey, hey, Ducky, you know that. Uh, best, best way to be. All the celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, it, is it a little bit of, 
I don't know, having to sort of check where you are in terms of, because he's still quite new, the manager, isn't he? We, we, we feel like we've had him a long time. Is it less than a year? I think it must yeah, be less yeah. than a year. It is, it's January last year he came in. Yeah, so, so it's less than, than 12 months still. And obviously, you know, winning the Champions League, you know, we we had that with Rafford in his first season. He wins that and suddenly you're like, oh, we're going to win the league next year. Do you know what I mean? And then, mm-hmm. and then you get a bit of a reality check. Is I don't know, do the do, do, do Chelsea supporters, do, does everyone, I guess, no social no, sees the temper and say, well, of course, he's not quite going to be able to be at the level of, of Jürgen Klopp's Liverpool or Pep Guardiola's City because they've built those squads themselves. 100%. And I think it's quite easy at the moment to kid yourself into the situation where you, you can't drop a point over a season and you can't have a performance and you can't have a, a, a patch where it looks a bit like we are at the moment. Because I think I think, I think with four, like five points I've seen at the moment, I think it's four. Uh, which obviously is is is, is a two match uh, swing rather than a one match swing, but is that is the thing? If we are still so much part of the conversation, you do have to not shit the bed a bit and sort of start thinking about how bad you are because the 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 form at the moment and in lots of other seasons would still be worthy of finishing finishing top. You know, it's how you come out of these patches and it's how you sort of like uh, how you go again. And I don't. There's, there isn't. There isn't any. There isn't any discontent. There doesn't seem to be any noise about it. I do think they realise that. They've ended up with a very good manager, and I think he's realised. If you look at his uh, other jobs, he's realised that he's obviously changed. He's not been quite as prickly as he would have been at this stage when he was at PSG and, and things like that. And um, <clears throat> we're, we're we're in a process, and we've got we've got a good squad. We've got a good manager. We've got we've still got the the owner who is flaws in other ways, but he is still he's always been kind of football first. There's no there's not much nonsense that happens around Chelsea. That's that's not signings and, and transfers and all the rest of it so I think Tuchel's the right place to build he seems to be looking after a lot of people too there's the play, the player uh, chirpiness is high even the players that aren't getting picked and the way he spoke about the academy boys he played last night um, was really nice actually it was nice sort of hear a Chelsea manager kind of he's just very realistic with how he speaks there's no there's not much um, not much bells and whistles on it which which sometimes can jar a little bit because you're a bit awkward and British and you sort of think that you're not meant to be like that. But he, he just, he does, um, he, he, he gets it. He's not, he's not, he's not deluded. I think he, he he's as frustrated as we are, which is quite a, um, a nice thing to feel, I think, to, to a little point. Um, <clears throat> and we will get better. And, and I think, the thing, the thing at the minute I'm, I'm is the, the games in hand of other teams and sort of especially people like Spurs, you, you, you don't want to start looking backwards because we did that last season. You know, last season we became all about top four and we basically did it because Spurs beat Leicester on the last day. <laughs> that was it. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have been in there. Obviously, we won it in the end, but the easier route wasn't achieved and you sort of begin to worry if league form... You don't want to start turning around, basically. You don't want to, you, you want to be looking up to yourselves and City and be in that conversation. And if we can get a win against you in January, then we're... You know, like I said, that's the, to go back to the beginning, the football narrative just changes so quickly because you, yeah. you consume so much of it. If we do beat you and go to second and City, say, drop points, I think they played Arsenal that day, um, then you, you go, oh, fucking hell, actually, we're a point off them again, mm. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Villa, Villa are the worst team to play at the moment, though, for where we're at, just because I think they look so well-drilled and they're so... They're so um, busy. And they just they read, they read the room at Anfield well, I thought. They sort of pissed off the right number of fans. They kind of were were in the right players' faces. And obviously it didn't happen for them, but the performance that they're going, you know, from one to the other is is massive. They played the top three recently and they've not said they've not they've not let themselves down in any of those mm. games really. And Chelsea are probably the the lowest hanging fruit, or literally, of those 
of those three. So they, they could be fancying themselves to properly fly at us. And we're always shit around Christmas. They always manage to do it to me every year. They ruin my Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you have a lovely Christmas, Chris. And as you say, worrying about Tottenham is no way to live. No way no, to live not. your life. <laughs> That's for Tottenham fans to do. That's their job. <laughs> and they're very good at it they're very good yeah, at oh, it yeah 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 definitely definitely uh, have a lovely christmas mate hopefully yeah, you're too. back hopefully you're back up for that chelsea game hey, oh yeah, yeah i'm back i'm back in the city yeah don't you worry i'll be top of the bus don't you worry <laughs> cheers mate have a lovely yeah, christmas take care. have a good christmas Excellent stuff as ever from Chris, and let's hope he has a lovely Christmas. Bit of pressure on him around New Year uh, as uh, as Chelsea come back into the Liverpool picture in a big way. Uh, it's all of a sudden, Jake. It just looks like it's hard for Chelsea, and I think that they've got legitimate issues, concerns, injuries combined with some COVID bits and pieces. Um, I think they've got lads coming back from injury; they're having to rush back. I think that in general, that's always a problem they've got around N'Golo Kante. I think he Tuchel's not the first manager to have that problem. I think where the strange thing with Kante is that if you've got him, you want to play him, but if you play him, you feel as though you're always playing him one game closer to injury. No matter what you try and do with it, that's that's what appears to happen. So Tuchel's got to try and solve that issue. Um, I just feel like this is this is now a horror game for Chelsea away at Villa on a on a Saturday night on Boxing Day. Uh, Steven Gerrard's Villa who will be very, very tight, uh, make it pretty brutal and that's what Chelsea have struggled with. They've struggled with games where nothing happens and very little happens against Wolves. Yeah, you know, for a fact, two things were certain that Villa are going to give them a hard game and Gerrard's going to be head-to-toe in cricket gear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, I, I've got to be honest with you, Neil. I can't sympathise with Chelsea. I'm really enjoying watching them kind of slowly fall apart and, and the kind of nuts and the bolts falling apart. I think they're very sort of systematic. And if you take a couple of those people out, um, they start looking a lot more average than, than they do. Um, and I was really, really worried uh, a month ago about Chelsea. I thought they were looking good, as good as City, if not better at times, um, with the wing back scoring all sorts of goals and, and whatnot, even with, without Lukaku. But at this moment of time, they look like the, the you know the N'Golo Kante thing. That of course they're missing him. Who wouldn't? Um, he's kind of dream midfielder in this day and age, isn't he? Um, but yeah, hopefully Stevie does us a favour. It's as simple as that. Stevie does us a favour. It's not even at this point, Harrison. It wouldn't even feel like that much of a favour because we all know where the where the priority is. It's looking the other way. It's not looking at Chelsea. But that game against Wolves. Wolves had the last shot. Their last shot on forty three minutes. Uh, Wolves' expected goals was 0.3 Chelsea's was 0.83 one of those chances was a big chance that Pulisic had it feels like Chelsea are built in this way where we'll get one big chance and we take it and we win the game yeah, it does it does feel like that and you look at the goal scorers as well and like even like last night Jorginho scoring and was an own goal the other one something like that it's just I just don't know how sustainable it is and I can't wait for this game I think it's going to be a very very interesting game R5 at Villa it's not easy for anybody I think what's going to be an interesting battle is going to be Cash and Alonso down that right there, Chelsea's left side. I was watching um, Norwich v Villa, and look, Villa, you're always, you're always back Villa to go and beat them away, but it was just ridiculous how much control they had. Norwich caused United issues. United was nowhere near as, as in control as Villa was at that, at that game, and I'd love the battle between Cash and Brandon Williams, you know, both committed players, both going in for each other, up and down, and I think that's what's going to be similar to Alonso versus Matty Cash. I think Douglas Louise is another one that Gerrard's getting the best out of now. I think he's gone up a level under Gerrard, and Ollie Watkins is always going to be Ollie Watkins, isn't he? He's always going to be a threat. He's similar to, he's similar to Antonio in a way, but in a different way. Mm. The fact that he's more in behind, but he's relentless with it. Leads the line, doesn't he? Yeah, Leads he it very well, yeah. He's going to give any back line 
um, problems. And I think it's going to be interesting if Buendia, I think he's very keen to play Buendia, but he's trying to fit him in. I don't think he's going to be as defensive at home, half half kickoff, you know, Boxing Day, than he was at Anfield. So I think I backfield, I back them to him and do them. The thing that surprised me most, just just on Chelsea again, is is, is the goals. I think I think all, all season. I mean, at the start of the season, when people talked about you know season previews and where people are going to finish, and a lot of people back Chelsea. I, I was one of them. I, I I thought he'd be doing better than this because I just thought you know they looked they looked good on the back end of last season, and I know all the concerns where well. You know, they've never strung a run like Liverpool and City together where you have to win 11, 12, 13 on the bounce. But I just thought I thought they had goals all over the place and for whatever reason, whether it is the system that, that, that stops them from doing it, you know, they just, they just haven't. I know Lukaku's had his injury problems, but I think they're in danger of getting to a place where even if it does click, they've fallen too far behind, you know, I I wouldn't want to be them. For example, you know I think I think we're you know we're in touch and distance of City. They're six behind. If we were six points behind City, that's a two three game swing. You know, and and I've got to go to City as well. We go there on the second. I I, I don't think you know. I think they're a good side, and I, and I think he's a good enough manager to work it out at some points. I just think if, if their ambitions are you know winning a league title, they need to get their act together soon. I wouldn't want to be going to Villa on a Boxing Day on half five and having to get a results knowing that Liverpool are just around the corner. And when City don't look like they're stopping winning, I, I think they're in trouble of it. So well, they're going to kick off nine behind City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the worry for them as well is, if you know, we spoke about, you know, mini leagues within the Premier League. If, if Liverpool and City pull away, there's no one there's no one behind them and in such a distance of them. So they're not looking, they're not looking over the shoulder and they're no. not looking above them because it's too far. So where, where does that leave them? You know, you're playing games sort of. It leaves them even more likely to win the Champions League, I think. Yeah, possibly, but you know, it, it, it's a while until that sort of really yeah. gets going, doesn't it? And then what, what are you doing in the league? And then if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're struggling in the league because you've got nothing to play for in that, you don't want to be going into Champions League quarterfinals in bad form, do you? So I think it leaves them in this weird position where, you know, they might struggle. I, I think it'd be a massive win for them because, you know, I've said on this show before, I know, I know Gerard and Villa got stick of the way they came to Anfield. I was really impressed with them. I thought they'd be great. I, I wouldn't want to go to Villa Park anytime soon. So, like I said, half hour boxing day when they're struggling. It's not ideal. I think there's something to be said about stopping Rudiger. I think if you stop Rudiger progressing with the ball like he does, I think you can stop Chelsea massively. Yeah. And I think that's something that they need to sort out. I think a lot of teams are clicking onto it, stopping that left hand side that Rudiger progressing with. And I think that's something that Villa can exploit if Rudiger does go. You can see Watkins just floating behind where the space that he's left and Villa will be in behind and I just think that it's going to be counter-attack central for Villa and I just, I just don't I just don't think that I think if Villa score first I think Chelsea could be in massive trouble uh, yeah I think in general I think it is interesting I think the idea of you know having that a bit of that gap is is a tough one from a Chelsea point of view the other thing is I just and I've felt for a while the thing that sort of crept onto me about Chelsea is for this City side they're desperate to set the bar this Liverpool side probably feels it's got two seasons maybe three of win now presuming everyone stays together so this you know these are all your key chances the Chelsea team's really weird for me in that there's not that many players who are in a genuine sort of win now position there's a couple who are obviously past the peak who want to do well don't get me wrong but they're not they're not absolutely roaring into yeah. into games in the in the best the best form of the career like Azpilicueta Thiago Silva Kante is an example of that he's not you know he's not quite what he was as a force a couple of seasons back four seasons back and then the flip side is you've got lads who are able to look at it and think oh well I'm, I've got 10 goes at this and yeah. and they're, they're just a, you know like we're desperate last night was an example of us being desperate in a really weird way and then you know every now and again Wolves away Liverpool are desperate you know it, it, it emanates across the whole squad we're desperate to win this game Chelsea did not play at Wolves like a side who were desperate to win and I think that this is a slight difference which yeah. which I don't th- I, I think they haven't quite addressed yet 
do you not think though the ma- the manager sort of has to win now because yeah, at Chelsea say, you, you're only yeah. you're only a couple of months away. From I, but even it, I think he still I think the way he's been and I think it's helped him at first is he's like well I'll just do this and we'll see what happens. Like this is almost like yeah. it's a job. Like I'll, I've got this job for eighteen months and we'll see what happens. It's just my job, isn't it, for a bit? And I think that really helped them last season. Excuse me, last season it took the, it took the the pressure off the backs a little bit. Like for Lampard, it was live or die. Yeah. In a sense, it was his one go at this, and he was fucking it up. Yeah. I I look at this fella, and I think he just feels a bit like, well, if this one doesn't work, I'll get another. I'll, I'll be by Munich manager in, yeah. in in three years. Yeah. I'll be, you know, I'll get a I'll get a big job in Italy. I could get Real or Barca. I could get Liverpool at some point. You know, you and know, he's won the Champions League. And he's and he's won the Champions League. Yeah. I, I I think it's funny. I if you look at the, the core age Chelsea players. I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it strikes me that the lads, the lads who are 27, 28, 29, you know, Saul is 27, Kepa's 27, uh, Emerson's 27, I don't know if you know if he's still at the club, Barkley's 28, Kovacic is 28, Kovacic has played well, they've missed him actually yeah, yeah. in the absence, Rudiger's 29, Zayek's 29, just sort of know what I, mean. I just sort of feel yeah. like the lads were the ones who should be absolutely grabbing everyone by the scruff of the neck and screaming at them. Because we need to do, we need to sort this out. You know, Christensen's twenty six. He doesn't quite seem like that personality. Loftus Cheeks twenty six, but his career is weird. The, the, there's, the, yeah. the, the just. I think I think the whole culture of the club comes into this as well. I think yeah. the players that you're talking about there, you know, your Kovacic, because they've been here for a few seasons. And not only have they seen managers come and go, they've, they've seen you know the teammates come and go. I think they know if you do reasonably well at a club like Chelsea, you're not far away from a move. And you, you've seen that with Rudiger already this season with the contract, and it doesn't look like he's gonna. Yeah. Doesn't look like he's going to sign when it looks like he's off to Real Madrid, and I think really didn't know that. Yeah, wow. Yeah, they've, apparently they've offered him quite a lot of money, but it looks like it's, it's, it's Real Madrid that he that he'll be off to, and I think it's it's just a weird club. You know, you talk, you talk about us now. You know, how we get with players, and it feels like sort of you know a final destination. And no, no matter the fact that you know you think winning the Champions League would tie you to a club, but if you're best centre half and somebody feels like a big character in the dressing room, like a Rudiger's already looking like he's he's off in the summer, regardless of what happens, I don't know what message that sends out. And it is it is all strange. It, it is very weird, but I think I think there is an explanation for it, and it's how they've run the club for the last fifteen years, and you can't argue with it because they've won everything and they win something every year. But I think you know if you want a, an amazing Liverpool-esque season where you take down the mighty Man City in a ninety-plus point title race, I think this is where you fall short because you need to buy into a big thing and you need to, yeah. you know we've seen it ourselves. You know you don't get moments like Origi away at Newcastle back end of eighteen nineteen and just falling short and then going again the year after. If you're thinking some of these lads won't be here or the manager's got six to eight, twelve months left in him before he goes somewhere else, I just don't think you get that. It needs to be, and they they might say that well that's fine because we'll if you don't win something this yeah. year, some new fellow will come in and we win the FA Cup next year and we'll have a go. The league the year after and again you can't fault them they've, they've won everything but I just think in this season of, of seasons which now I do think is looking like a 90 plus point season I think that's where they fall short because is there that hunger to go every single time every single week when you are chasing Okay, last one is Brighton versus uh, Brentford. Uh, John spoke to Alan Alan Wears earlier on from from uh, Albion Raw always good to speak to him and here he is and it is John with Alan Wears now from Albion Raw and Alan, it's a big game on Boxing Day. Well, it feels like a big game to me. Two teams on exactly the same number of points. Um, how are you feeling going into it? Um, slightly relieved on the fact that I've actually travelled up for Christmas to my in-laws in the north because it's probably easier to get to Grimsby from Worthing than it would be to get to the Amex from Worthing. <laughs> um, yeah, Boxing Day. It's, listen, it's it's fantastic. I mean, I've, I've kind of half-followed Brentford um since certainly since we got promotion i mean you have to remember that the the two chairmen are kind of rivals in in business 
but they've actually gone a very similar way in, in, in promoting their club. They, they Obviously, they've had to invest heavily. A cynic might argue that they've, they've thrown money at it, but then that's the nature of getting from sort of, I suppose, being a, a former... There's a difference between being a former Premier League side that, that can rebound as opposed to a side that's made its way up over the years. Mm. And there's, there is a similar parallel with Brentford. They've also built their new stadium. Um, so they're, they're doing things the right way. I mean, we'd like to think the Brighton are doing things the right way, certainly off the pitch. And I think Bradford are, are following suit. So they're, they're kind of an interesting club. We went there earlier in the season. It's a nice stadium. It's a good place to go. Um, a bit of a rarity. We've got a win there. Um, but as for the game itself, it's, it's kind of interesting that when Brighton and Brentford are actually considered on the same par, when I suppose probably at the beginning of the season, the, you know, the, the average lazy Joe would have said, well, Brentford are going to be relegation fodder. But as you can see, they've clearly done brilliantly. Um, and as for being on the same number of points, now obviously we started the season brilliantly, but our, our direction of travel isn't actually brilliant at the moment. So it's it's a game that, you know, I suppose with probably any game we'd, we'd have a, a nervous anticipation about. We played Wolves last week and we always play, we always beat Wolves. Our record against them is superb in comparison to theirs against ours. So this is a game where, you know, nothing is to be t- taken for granted just because you think, oh, great, Brentford, the new boys at home. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing you talk about the sort of the comparisons between the two clubs, you know, both in terms of how they've been run over the last few years and how the seasons have gone. Because, you know, Brentford, when I speak to Brentford fans, you know, they're still um, very positive. You know, they're enjoying it. It's going much better than they they thought, I think, or, or you know, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say better than they dreamt, but but certainly sort of better than you know than, than they were expected, as as you quite rightly say, Alan. You know, enough sort of outside there. Um, but in terms of Brighton, because you did start so well, and and uh, you know it's it's been so long without a win now in the league. I guess you know it's there might be two teams with with twenty points, but with different feelings amongst the fan base at the moment in terms of how things are going. Well, that's what I mean about the direction of travel. Like I said, we started off our first dozen points were all got by September. Um, since then, you know, we haven't won in, I think it's 10 or 11 on lose track now, of which about eight are draws. So we're keeping the scoreboard ticking over, but it doesn't really, it really doesn't help when, you know, there's games that, you know, we could have won that we've, we've, uh, we've drawn, you know, I, I'll even say, I'll even go so far as to say, you know, we could have actually sneaked to win at Anfield. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for those, I know there was a lot of Liverpool fans saying, oh, you know, we're terrible that second half. Although, that, although I wasn't there, there was a lot of Brighton fans saying oh, how good we were, which was fantastic. And you think, well, great, if you can do that against Liverpool, why can't you do it against other teams as well? And of course, you know, the game against Wolves was abject misery. Again, you know, how many times have I mentioned this, you know, let alone on the Albion Raw, but on, on the Anfield Rap as well about our finishing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a, a same old, same old. And, and the, the fans are screaming at the club to buy a striker, which I'm not 100% is convinced is the answer. Yes, we need a, a, a better striker, but, we, you know, the, the strikers that we have are good enough. They just don't prove it. So, you know, it's, it's the concern that we have that, you know, we've been here before. Um, you know, it's it's frustrating. We've had injuries, and, and I think that actually we've lucked out a little bit with, it sounds like an awfully cynical thing to say, that with COVID, you know, the new strain coming our way, it's actually done us a little bit of a favour because we've had so many players out. Now, you shouldn't really sort of guard and set your season along those lines, 
but it hopefully has done us a wee bit of a favour. But even so, going into the game, we've got a few players returning. We'd have a little bit more hope. However, um, it's it's. I'm, I'm, I I think we still do well for a draw because Brentford are not there to be underestimated. Um, and and a lot of clubs when they come up from the the Championship, certainly for the first time, um, into the Premier League. They get underestimated. I remember Hull City, this happened. Barnsley has happened to a certain yep. extent. Bournemouth, it happens. And Brentford, seriously underestimated. Um, think they're for the taking. And you still have to have the mindset that no matter who you've got in front of you, you've got to beat. And, and Arsenal found that to their cost. So, you know, this is a side that we're not going to take for granted, not for a second. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. Uh, in terms of... Players coming back then for, for for Brighton. Obviously, you guys have been hit with a couple of COVID um, issues, similar to sorts of other uh, clubs. Obviously, there's a few injuries as well. Might there be some back uh, for Boxing Day, especially when it looks like the, the rules have been uh, changed slightly? Um, I think certainly we've, we've, we've got Shane Duffy back from suspension. And I think there might be one or two players that are back. I, d- I did read, I think Welbeck will be available. And I think... I read that Lalana would be available. So that that that's that's really going to strengthen things, especially up top. Now, like I said, we played Wolves with what we felt was like a, a scratch team. Um, and for those that watched the game, those that stayed awake during that game, got to realise that we weren't actually that bad. We controlled the midfield and, and you know, still couldn't score. So there's, there's an argument to say it doesn't matter who we put out there, we're still going to sky every shot. So, <laughs> Now it's um, but the, the likes of Welbeck, I think, just add a sense of professionalism and calm and an intelligent running in a way that I've got to admit certain uh, forwards at the Albion don't do at the moment. So it would be, a, a, I think, the, of all the boosters that we're going to get back from of players from injury, I think Danny Welbeck is the one I most look forward to. Yeah, uh, one to watch, one to watch. Uh, huge thanks here to Alan for joining us, as I say, from Albion Raw. And we'll see how that game goes. It's 8 o'clock on Boxing Day night, so I'll certainly be watching it, seeing how it's going. Alan, top man, thanks for joining us. All the best. Happy Christmas to you. Great stuff from John and Alan. Just quick on this one, really, because it's again, it's a bit of a funny game where it's not... Um, it doesn't feel quite as, 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 again, as crucial to either side, but I think this is part of what's done brightening a little bit over the course of the campaign. There's so long now... Jake, since they've won a game, um, Brighton and Hove Albion, they find themselves, I think, just in danger of a season that could have been a belter. And let's be clear, they've only lost four league games. You know, they've lost one in four of the league games so far this season. There's been years that have been far worse. And obviously, they've had a couple of postponements recently, like everybody else as well. But it's so long now since they've since they've won a league game. There's a lot of draws in there. They've got to start turning that round soon. Saturday night seems like a really good opportunity for them. Brentford have had a midweek game. Brighton haven't. This is one which does feel as though they need to show that they're absolutely desperate for it and maybe they'll get it. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I agree. I mean, I know uh, Gibbo's just spoke to somebody from the Brighton clan there, but I feel like you could do me on Brighton, to be honest with you, because I absolutely love watching them. I, I think they're great, and it, it is surprising that they're down there, uh, especially because I feel like they've, they've come on a lot since last season. Um, without having like the stats in front of me, it just feels like the goals have dried up a little bit. Um, but but yeah, I really really rate them, and also I'm I'm into the Brentford story as well. I'm I'm a football romantic, so I'm not going to apologise for that. And I've just seen that it's on Sky on my phone, so I'm going to set up a WhatsApp group as soon as I get away from here. <laughs> it could be the last time that we're out for a while watching the match, and that sounds great to me. It uh, it could be a really good game because Brentford, what Brentford have done well all the way through the season, Harrison, is they've managed to play like well, we've got nothing to lose. Yeah, and they've really grabbed that mentality, and I think it's it's served them well. The the, the 
it was a crazy game against Watford that they eventually won. It was tumultuous as anything. They weren't actually very good first half, but they found themselves and they bit down and they they, they battled and battled and it's they just typical Brentford really. But they just kept putting the ball yeah. in dangerous areas, and I think that's what Brighton have got to worry about here. That it's not so much this I think Brentford are brilliant at getting the ball into dangerous areas and seeing what happens next. I think Brighton are really good at pulling you apart and and working you and making areas dangerous, and it is going to be quite a clash of styles. Well, it is. I think. Was it Brighton v Wolves? Brighton, had lo- I don't know what the situation is now, but they had loads of sm- the defensive players out and they were small. And I had a feeling that if Wolves were going to win, it was going to be a centre half of a set piece scoring. Do you know what I mean? And that's what came out. Like you just, you just felt that physically they were going to get bullied eventually. And this is going to be a good game. It's going to be a battle of styles, isn't it? Between playing and then the ball just being like. I think Brentford, like you said, putting it in areas, it's very going to be transitional. Yeah. I think the minute Brighton lose the ball, Brentford are going to look and get it into that area. And it, it is well balanced. I think there's going to be goals in it, in my opinion. I think there is. I know Brighton struggle for goals, but I, can, I, I just think that I watched Watford v Brentford and Watford had a good fair few chances. And yeah. it, was, it was a very good game, to be fair. And so Brentford score late on and win it. But I said, I again, I was looking. I think we spoke about it before. I think Brighton, they do need a goal score. I think. Divocarigi could go in and do a job for yeah. them. Do you know what I mean? Just someone, yeah, who just stays around, stays around the edge of the box, waits for a chance. The minute, minute in the box, goal. Do you know what I mean? Just someone. Like job as his agent, there, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this now. Have I not once in September? Is that yeah, right? Not once in September. So I'm looking at the fit. I'm looking at the results <laughs> now, and I'm, I'm honestly, I keep scrolling down my phone to check. I haven't misread. Yeah, they have once. They have once in September now. And that was before they played us. They beat yeah. Leicester in September. And Leicester had two disallowed goals because I remember, remember yeah. watching that. That's mad. Yeah. And I know they've had all the, the you know the madness that went on when, when they got booed at the end of the game when they drew it home and he came out and had a bit of a go potter, didn't he? Which is which is fair enough, like but I don't, I don't, do we know what the the, the the Brighton fans said? Are they rubbish now or something? No, no, they're all the, they know that they're still obviously a good side. They're yeah. working through this this problem. They're just not. I mean, they had a bit of this last season, but what's been really weird this season? The results are grouped because they won a lot of games before September. They won four. So yeah. Won since September, they won four by mid September. That's why they were sitting up in sort of fourth and fifth. But since then, it's just ebbing away. But it's very few defeats, as I keep saying. There's only four defeats over the course of the campaign. So yeah, it's it's one of these where it's hard to be a supporter. I think because yeah. you're, you're like, well, we can see. What What's good? We can see what's less good. We don't quite know what changes one to the other, but we're watching good football. And when, like you said, it's almost an inversion thing of the thing with Palace. Palace are enjoying it. Brighton aren't going to go down, but simultaneously, I think they could probably do with finding ways to enjoy it a bit more. Yeah, and I think as well, I just feel like we do have this conversation, you know, every year where it's the goals thing. And I know they start and more play starts with a few goals and things, but. Once the goals are dried up, it is that same problem. If you know, I mean, everyone called them the XG team last season, didn't they? Because they, you know, they, they were creating loads of chances but not scoring goals. But you know, that isn't fun for a supporters. You know, you talk about them having a better time. You know, we've had seasons at Liverpool. I think about, you know, 2011, 2012, where we kept it in the post bar. That is just frustrating, yeah. isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm, you're not condoning them, booing them off at, at that draw a few couple of months ago. But it is annoying when you know you're seeing the same thing happen all the time well they're, they're underperforming expected goals from open play by 5.4 again so so far this season the expected goals is 16 uh, yeah. number of actual goals uh, from open play is 11 Yeah. so there's a point where you're just like lads just you are, fucking yeah. start kicking it and go <laughs> yeah. like and, 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 and that is frustrating and that, that would wind you up yeah. and it, you know, to a supporter in the crowd, it seems the, most, the easiest thing to do it's the hardest thing to do in football is to score goals but when it is the same problem year in year out I can imagine why you get frustrated. I like them as a side, you know, like you said, they are in that sort of nice middle of the table, like like Palace, where you know they're picking up points as well. If they're not losing many games, they're drawing, aren't they? And I, 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 and, and that'll do them all right. 
I like Brentford. I, 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 I couldn't pick a winner in this one. To be honest, I think it might be another another draw for Brighton. Hopefully a score. Just, draw, just, draw. just on the XG thing, just to use these two sides as comparison, something I always look at is quality of chance. So, so far this season, Brighton have had 27 uh, attempts that are better than 0.2 expected goals. So, Brentford are on 27, uh, 0.2 expected goals or better. And Brighton are on 18. And that's one of the things that I think I think gets missed out on in that, you know, you can be having shots from, from fuck knows where and, you know, it, it can work for you sometimes. Yeah. But that's, that, 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 there is basically players are just more likely to score more straightforward chances over a period of time. It's, you know, certainly if you've got good players, they're going to stick at the back of the net. If you, if, if you can put on a bit more of a plate for them, Salah's a great example of that. Yeah. So we just boxed it, haven't we? So basically, basically, Brighton have got to sign Ivan Tony. That's what you're saying. It's chance creation, is what it is. It's not necessarily taking them, although they're not doing that either. Uh, listen, thank you very much indeed to Jay, uh, to Harrison, and to Paddy. Also, uh, John, uh, for doing the two calls. Uh, we also had in there Alan and Chris. It has been your Friday show this week. Have a great Christmas. Enjoy all the Boxing Day games. We're not going to do the Monday night one. Uh, that's a, a whole separate universe and no one even knows if it'll happen or not. See you later.